I remembered what I was going to say. Todd Leatherman is right there in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> we were so grateful to have him back with us. And uh, I told him I was really glad to see him, but I don't think I was the person in this room most glad to see him. But what a wonderful thing it is that God has returned him to us safely. And we have them for a little while longer. Uncle Sam's probably going to move them off somewhere else. But wow, what a great family you have been for us. What a blessing you have been for us. And we're glad that God protected you while you were away and was with your family as well. Today we're going to read two of Jesus' shorter parables. And actually, you know, I don't want to spend too long with this, but parables... uh, make some points, and we talked about how that you can just get in and walk around in them, and there's not just one meaning to them. However, you can push parables to a point where you can make them say things they're not saying. And these two little short parables, I think that can be done with, and you can ask some questions and push them beyond what Jesus intended. But wow, the point that he makes here is very important and very necessary. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God. From Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away. He sold everything he had and bought it. May God bless the reading of his word. That's enough of that. (laughs) Let's get on with the sermon. Let's talk about Aristotle. I know some of you in here just read Aristotle daily, don't you? Uh, Aristotle says a lot of things that, that still resonate in our hearts. Sometimes we don't realize he's the one that first said them. But Aristotle liked to think a lot about happiness. That was one of the things that was a real quest for him, was what can we do as human beings on this earth to discover true happiness? And his discussion of the pursuit of happiness really contains two different ideas in it. He he comes up with the idea that if, if you want to deal with happiness, you have to deal with what it is that you want and what it is that you need. And he says that the path to happiness is really twofold. One path to happiness is that you make a conscious decision that you are going to pursue those things that you need rather than the things that you want. And if you can make that decision and come to that understanding that is, it is in seeking the things you need rather than just the things that you want, you will arrive at happiness. But he said the best path to happiness is when you can come to actually want the things that you need. Now, that's Aristotle. But I think as we look through Scripture, we'll find out that there's a lot of that in Scripture as well. 
Think of a couple of stories. One does come directly from the Bible. It's kind of tucked away in 2 Samuel chapter 23. You know, it's that chapter as you get to the end of 2 Samuel, you've kind of read all of 2 Samuel you want to read, and you start finding that these lists of names and they're counting people and all this. So you kind of think, well, I'll just think I'll skip over to the next book. But don't do that because in 2 Samuel chapter 23, there's this wonderful little story tucked away. And it's about David. And it's a time in David's life that is very difficult. It's a time when he is battling the Philistines again. And in fact, the Philistines have come in and have occupied his hometown of Bethlehem. And David is on the run and he's hiding in a cave, the cave of Adullam. And he's in this cave with some of his loyal generals and fighting men. And as he's sitting in this dark cave and he's moaning about the state that he's in and what's going on, he makes an interesting statement. He says, oh, how I wish I could get a drink of water from the well in my hometown of Bethlehem. Now, those of you who were born and raised in San, San Angelo probably will never share that same longing <laughs> that David has. Uh, some of us who grew up in other places, you know, you, I, I was born out in far west Texas. There's not a lot of advantages to far west Texas, but there's a lot of sand out there. And you pump that water up through that sand that's already been filtered down in and you bring it back up. It's really good water. And when I was a kid, we used to carry that. Yeah, Sid Clemmer's from that same area. We used to carry a jug of that water wherever we went because we knew wherever we went, the water wasn't going to be as good as that. So I can kind of relate to David and, and how he's just kind of longingly and almost to himself saying, Oh, it'd be so good if I could just get a taste of that water from the well in Bethlehem. Well, some of his men, three in fact, heard him say that. And they get this idea. Let's go get it for him. And so they head out in the middle of the night. And they sneak through the Philistine lines. And I wish they had more details of what that was like. To get through that heavily guarded area by some pretty ferocious warriors. But they sneak through those lines. They draw a jug of water from the well in Bethlehem. And they sneak back through the lines and get back to the cave. And they walk in and they hand it to their king, their leader, David. And say, here. And he says, what is this? And they said, this is water from the well of Bethlehem. And David takes that water. Do you know the story? And he pours it out. Not just to throw it away, not as a wasteful thing, but he pours it out as an offering to God. Because in getting what he wanted, he realized he already had what he needed. He had the undying love and loyalty of his men. And that was much more important than any want that he had. I'll tell you another story. This one's not directly from the Bible. It's just one of those stories that kind of circulates around. It's the story of an old homeless man who's walking down the road and he's got a bag on his back and and it's obviously a very heavy bag, and he's struggling under the load of it, and he gets at the edge of a town, and he finds there a tree that offers some shelter, and he takes the heavy bag off his shoulder and puts it down and lies down under the tree and goes to sleep. 
And suddenly he's he's awakened by a young man with wild eyes shaking him and saying, give it to me, give it to me. And he wakes up and says, what do you mean, what do you mean? And the young man says, I had a dream. I had a dream that if I would come to the edge of town and I would look for this tree, I would find under the tree an old man with a sack. And that man would give me something of value. I want it. And the old man said, well, I don't really have much. But he said, reaching into the sack and pulling out a large rock, he said, maybe it's this rock that you want. And the young man looked at it and recognized it as the biggest diamond that he had ever seen, probably the biggest diamond that had ever been discovered. And the old man gave it to him and said, here, it's too heavy to carry anyway. And the young man grabbed it, ran back into the city, and he got his friends together, and they were all just amazed that, look at what I've got. I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. But later that night, as the old man slept under the tree, the young man was back, shaking him, saying, give it to me, give it to me. And the old man woke up and said, give it, I, I don't have any more rocks to give you. He said, it's not the rock I want. I want the wealth that you have that makes it possible for you to give that away. He suddenly realized that that old man had more than he had. That old man had what he really needed and no longer just what he wanted. Now, those are two stories, one from the Bible, one from... But... They deal with needs and wants. Did you know that Jesus wrestled with his needs and wants? Jesus wrestled with his road to contentment and happiness. One place that he did that is in the stories that we call the temptations. You know, when Jesus was out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights fasting, and then Satan came to him, Satan's temptation was, let's go after the things that you want rather than what is needed. That's what those temptations were all about. You can imagine that here is Jesus about to begin his ministry, about to throw himself out there and to give everything that he had to the people of this world. And yet he knew that they would not like it, that they would not like him, He knew that they would reject him. He, the creator of the world, God, the scripture tells us that God went through Jesus, that he used him as the agent of creation, that it's through him that all things that are exist now. And you can just imagine, I come to my very own and my own are going to reject me. And Satan says, let's do it a different way. Let's do it in a way that you get what you want. Let's do it in a way where people will like you and accept you and embrace you. Turn these stones into bread. Go jump off the temple and let the angels swoop down and catch you. You want the world? Worship me and I'll give you the world. But Jesus said to say, no. That I have to do what is needed. We needed him to suffer and to die. That's what was needed for this world. And though it's not necessarily what Jesus wanted, don't we know that later on in the story? When he is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he falls before God and he cries and he said, isn't there another way? 
Even at the end of his ministry, he still had wants. He still had things he desired. But he was able to put those aside and to do what was needed. Jesus dealt with people on that basis throughout his ministry. He dealt with people that always were after what they wanted rather than what they needed. One example is when he gave them bread to eat. He fed 5,000 people. Read the account in John chapter 6 of what happens after that. Thousands of people start following him around. And yet he knows the reason they're following him is they can get free food. And he turns around and says, I know why you're here. You want me to keep feeding you, don't you? Well, let me give you what you need. Let me give you my body. Let me give you my blood. How many people decided they would take what they needed? Thousands were following. But after he turned around and said, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need. They all left except his 12, just his 12 disciples. He said, aren't you going to go away too? Peter says, where would we go? You have what we need. You have the words of life. Another time, a young man came to him. I don't know. I'd like to meet this young man sometime. We talk about him a lot. Uh, There's so many questions I have about who he was. But all we're told is he was wealthy. And he comes to see Jesus and he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Now, he comes asking for information. What it seems like he really came for was asking for affirmation. Because he asked Jesus, he says, what do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, keep the commandments of God. And he starts listing the commandments. And the the guy says, wait, 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 I've done all those things. He said, well, there's only one thing that you still need. Okay, we've talked about your wants, we've talked about your desires. Let me tell you what you need. You need a life of poverty. Now, that's not necessarily to say that's what Jesus would tell everybody. In fact, he didn't necessarily tell everybody that. But he knew that man. And he said, what you need, if you want to live eternally, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to have joy and contentment and happiness, you need to go give away everything that you've got. And the man didn't want to do that. And the wants he had and the needs he had were in conflict, weren't they? And if you read the end of that story, it's very interesting. Because it says, as he chose what he wanted over what he needed, he went away very sad. Because the road to sadness is just thinking about what we want. And not what we need. Now there's more positive stories in scripture. Where Jesus dealt with people. He dealt with a woman that came to the well. To draw water. Because she wanted a drink. And Jesus said I can give you what you need. And she listened to him didn't she. And she went away from that place. Celebrating. And excited. Because she found someone who could give her what she really needed. His 12 apostles, well, 11 of them anyway, eventually got to understanding that he was giving them what they needed. They had a lot of wants, and they got a little frustrated with Jesus at times. But by the end of it all, 
they had decided that they too would seek what they needed rather than what they wanted. The point of the parables that we just read is simply this. That it is only in the kingdom of heaven that you're going to find what you need. Now, you want a lot of things. I want a lot of things. And I can spend my whole life seeking the things I want. Some of the things I want are pretty destructive type things. Other things are kind of benign. But those things are not the source of happiness. They're not the source of contentment. The source of happiness and contentment is found in the things that we need. And the things that we need are found in the kingdom of God. Paul knew this. Paul writes in Philippians about how he had spent the first part of his life trying to get the things he wanted. And he was pretty successful at it. Do you know that passage where he talks about all of his achievements that he had in life? And, you know, he wanted to get an advanced degree. He got an advanced degree. He wanted to have the recognition of his peers. He got the recognition of his peers. He he wanted to be someone that everybody said, man, that guy is is just the best person that I knew, I know. And, And he got all of that. He said, but then he ran smack dab into Jesus Christ and realized that's what he needed. And he said, I gave all the rest of that up. I count it but loss. I count it but garbage. It just pales in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Also, later on in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, he he talks about how he came to understand himself, even though he had thought of himself as a good guy, he came to see that he was truly a sinner and that what he needed was the mercy and grace of God. And that he would never be happy until the mercy and the grace of God became a reality in his life. And he was willing to give up his pride and to give up his achievements so that he could receive the the refreshing mercy and grace and forgiveness of God in his life. One of my favorite passages that I read a lot in funerals is Isaiah chapter 43. See if this passage doesn't touch your heart as well. Do not fear, God says to Isaiah and to the people of Israel, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. That's floods. When you're trying to cross those rivers of life that are rushing at you and pulling at you and, you know, I'll be with you. Now, now I want to tell you what I want. I don't want to have to cross any rivers. I want highways. I want automobiles. I want things to be easy and good. Well, God says, that's not necessarily what you're going to get. You may want that. But what you need is my presence as you go through those difficult times. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire... You shall not be burned up. The flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God. I am the Holy One of Israel. And Tommy and Bob, (laughs) I'm your Savior. That's what we need. We need a Savior. We have a lot of wants in our lives. But we need a Savior. And it's in the kingdom of heaven that we find that Savior. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 through 57. This is once again the Apostle Paul talking about this. When this perishable body puts on imperishability, when this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah, you know, there's people sitting in this room right now who are thinking a lot about dying. Either they know that they're headed that way, they've lost someone who was so close to them in recent days and weeks and years. Others of us don't think much about dying. There's things we want to do. There's places we want to go and what we want to see. And we're just going to live forever. No one else ever has, but I'm going to be the first. (laughs) You know, that's just the way it's going to be. We may want this life to continue forever, but it's not. What we need is a God that can make us live again. What we need is a God who can give us a new body of imperishability, one that will last for eternity. And that is to be found only in the kingdom of heaven. What is it that you want? And where is that to be found? Even if you find what you want, it's not going to make you happy unless it is a thing that you need. And the things that you need are to be found in the kingdom of heaven. In our, our text, Jesus tells us that in two different ways. One is a man that's just walking through a field, don't even know what he's thinking about. He's just walking along, and all of a sudden he looks down, and he reckons that there is something, a great treasure. A great treasure that will give him his life. Now, again, you can't push these too far, but, but it's something that, that he needs. And he immediately goes and gets rid of everything else that he has so that he can go and buy that field and have what he needs. In the other story, the man is actually out looking for pearls. He's a pearl merchant. He's looking for the thing he needs. And when he finds it, he goes and he gets rid of everything else. All the things that he had thought he had wanted, all these other things now pale in comparison. He sells them all. And he buys what he needs, the pearl of great price. And Jesus just looks at us and asks the question, what about you? Are you going to spend your life chasing the things you want? Are you going to come to me and let me give you what you need? It's the difference between a life of frustration and a life of joy and contentment, and happiness. Let's stand and sing.